Good morning. Uh, happy to see all of your smiling faces here. We've been in a series uh, for the first part of this year and uh, lived the mission. This isn't just a series at the beginning of the year. This is our theme for the year. So you're going to hear us talk about this a lot uh, throughout the years. There's going to be opportunities for you to get involved, uh, opportunities for you to learn and grow how to share your faith. Uh, we're going to be talking about on the podcast throughout the year. You're going to hear us talk, like I said, all throughout the year about this. Uh, and we're excited. We're excited to see how God uses our church uh, to advance his kingdom here in Clayton and in Johnson County. Um, and so we're anticipating big things this year. And so uh, we're really getting at this question. What does it look like for everyone who calls a generation home to invite two people to follow Jesus with them? That's, that's the heart of what we're trying to get behind. And today I want to talk about the grace we have received, and how that shapes the way we love those around us. Right? As a society, uh, we build things with a purpose. Right? You, you have like a project at your house. Uh, I've built like a kitchen table. That kitchen table is to eat at. I've built a vanity for our bathroom. That's for our bathroom for the sink. Like things we build, is, it's for a purpose. The maker has in mind uh, uh, a use for it. This isn't an embarrassing question, but with a show of hands, how many of you have seen the show how it's made. Yeah, it's a good show. Some might say it's a little boring. I love that show. Uh, it, it, they, what they do is they take it step by step and show you how something is built, and then they show you its purpose. I've watched this show with the kids numerous times to show them new things. So I want to take a Lamborghini, for example. This is a Lamborghini. This car is a modern supercar built for speed and perhaps status. Like when you see a Lamborghini, it's rare that you would see. Have any of you ever seen this particular model? Exactly, in person, other than right now. Exactly. It's very rare that you're going to see this. This is a $250,000 car. Its purpose is to take two people, because that's all you can fit in there, <laughs> as fast as possible, 218 miles per hour. Like that's fast. It's purpose. All while doing it in style and status. Now, contrast that to the 2016 Dodge Grand Caravan. I drive this car. This is my car. I don't drive it every day, but I love this car. Uh, you, can, you can fit six grown men in the back of this car, seven total. I did, I fit six grown men in the back of that car on a men's retreat where we traveled all around Asheville and Black Mountain, uh, as well as trespassed on property, but we won't talk about that. But I love this van. You can put a full sheet of plywood in the back of this van. You can load it up. And I challenge any of you with a normal-sized truck, not a big truck, not like a U-Haul, that let's meet at Lowe's. I bet I can fit as much in this van as you can fit in your truck. I love this van. It's practical, and that's its purpose. And you, too, have a purpose. And that's what we're going to talk about today. On one hand, our ultimate purpose is to be in a right relationship with the Father, with God to be in a personal, intimate relationship with God. And on the other hand, when it comes to other people, it's multifaceted and dynamic. The phrase grace built is not a term you'll find in the Bible, but we do see the idea take shape in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And in the beginning of chapter 2 of Ephesians, Paul described the spiritual reality of human souls, using the words of Jesus from John 3.3, that they need to be born again. They need to be rebuilt. And he explained that the natural born state of people is being spiritually dead and separated from God. But then Paul continues, there's good news. And God steps in and being rich in, the, in, in mercy and because of the great love that he has for us, 
made us alive in Christ through the life of Christ. And after this hopeful declaration that there is hope, there's, there's, there's eternal life, in Ephesians 2, Paul emphasizes that this salvation is not activated by our earning it, but by our receiving it as a gift. Look with me in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Listen to that last part. Not by works so that no one can boast. Because the next verse sounds contradictory to that. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But it's not contradictory, because what it is is because of that salvation, because of that free gift, we are then empowered, supplied with that grace and love to extend it to others. And so Jesus calls us to be, he says we're created, sorry, Paul says we're created to do good works. So in other words, Paul is saying that as followers of Jesus, we're a manufactured product. Like we are his workmanship, his handiwork. We have a purpose. And the big idea is that we have been rebuilt spiritually and from the inside out, and, and Jesus is transforming our hearts. So, what is our purpose as his handiwork? What is, his, what is our purpose as his handiwork? Is it for practical transportation like the minivan? the 2016 Dodge Grand Caravan, or is it blistering speed like the Lamborghini? Some of you in this room are already jumping to conclusions, and you're like, I'm the Lamborghini. I'm built for blistering speed, for status. The answer is in the same verse. Ephesians 2.10, to do good works, to extend his loving grace from us to others. That means that we are built to love. We are built to be filled with the love and grace of Jesus. And because we are filled with the love and grace of Jesus, it then flows out of us to other people. And it turns out that being practically and intentionally kind and thoughtful and caring and compassionate and loving, among other things, is the great intention of God for our rebuilt lives. We've been rebuilt by grace. Grace-built people extend love and grace to other people. Grace-built people extend love and grace to other people. Like Every good work, every extension of love and grace it is an extension of the immeasurable grace that God has for his people, with which we have been rebuilt and now we have been supplied. Like any time that you extend love, or extend grace, it is just the tip of the iceberg of the, the immeasurable love that God has for his people. It's just the tip of the iceberg. And when I think of purpose, our purpose, as disciples, I think of two key passages. The great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment and the great commission. In Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, Jesus commands us to do two things, and this is the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And that is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and prophets. So I don't know about you, but that sounds really important. 
On these two commands depends all the law and prophets. You see, it's from our, our right relationship with the Father to, to love him first, to put him first, to, to put him first with all our heart and soul and mind. It's from that relationship that then and only then we can love those around us the way he intended. And he intended for us to love and extend grace to those around us with no expectations, with no strings attached. He wants to be in a personal relationship with us. He wants to supply us with that love and grace. And living out Matthew 22, the the great commandment, to love God and from that to love others, then pushes us to the great commission. We see this in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. You're familiar with this verse. It says, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He he commands us, then commissions us. He, He gives us instruction and then sends us. And in John 8, 12, Jesus says something bold but not entirely shocking. He says, I am the light of the world, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's bold, because he was claiming to be the source of life itself. That's a bold statement. But now looking back at what we know to be true, at what he did on the cross, the advancement of the church, how he's worked in your life and in my life, we know that that's not not shocking. What's shocking... (laughs) is that in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, one of his most famous sermons, he says this, you are the light of the world. He calls us the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And he gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So as a disciple, as someone who is following Jesus, becoming like Jesus and helping others do the same, as you're on this lifelong journey of discipleship, we can live in such a way that people around us will look to God because of how we are living. Like we are a city set on a hill, a lamp that cannot, should not be hidden. We can and should be representing Jesus through word and deed. There's a really good book. If you haven't read this book, it's called The Art of Neighboring. The Art of Neighboring. Really, really good book. If you haven't, you should. And in it, he has this quote. He says, If we live out the great commandment, an environment is created where the great commission can be effectively obeyed. And then he really unpacks that. And then about two paragraphs later, he goes on. When we truly take the great commandment seriously, we become credible messengers who bring a message evidenced in both word and deed. Like when people see us living a life of love and grace, they will be, they will be seeing God in us, through us. It's going to, it's going to pour out all over people around you as you love them well. And that's the way he intended it. You see, we carry with us the most precious news 
the most important news that anyone will ever hear. We carry the message of the gospel of grace. There's someone that's part of our church body uh, who met uh, someone at their place of work. It was their manager at the time. And this was a while ago. I think it was two years ago now. And continued to build that relationship. At first, it was just a normal work relationship, but then it progressed. Kept building that relationship, building that relationship. Kept being obedient, kept being intentional, extended loving grace over and over again. With no strings attached. With no strings attached. Now they're friends, really good friends. And last week, this person who calls Generation Home led her friend to Christ. That's awesome. That's awesome. How we live is vitally important to the advancement of his kingdom and the glory of God. Like we are the church. We are the body of Christ. He wants to use us to advance his kingdom. He doesn't just want to use us. He he built us for this. It's our purpose. And Jesus said, I will build my church and our willingness to take personal responsibility to advance his mission is how we're gonna get it done. You've heard Jarrett say this before. The mission is not in here. It's not in here. 60% of people will not come through those doors. 60% of Americans. The mission's not in here. It's out there. What we do here on a Sunday is important. Gathering together as the body to worship together through song and through prayer and the sacraments like, like communion and baptism, to sit under his teaching, to be for edification, for improvement, like all that's really important. All of it to spur us on to these loving good works. All, all of it to spur us on to advance his kingdom. So, if we are rebuilt with grace and we are called to extend that grace through loving and caring for others, where do we extend loving grace? It's in the everyday places and things of life. This person who met their, their friend two years ago and it was their manager had no intentions. I've talked with them on the phone. I know them personally. They had no intentions on the day they met that person to be like, I'm going to lead them to Jesus. But it was through building a relationship, through just being a friend, loving her, caring for her, that then the Holy Spirit was already at work in that relationship, already at work in that person's life. Through other people, all this person did was step out in obedience to what she felt God prompting her to do. She did not intend for the relationship to happen the way it did. Jarrett and Jen shared five relational contexts of discipleship with us last week. And I love these areas because they unpack all of life. They cover all life. And if you didn't listen to the message, I'd encourage you to go to our website and watch it. If you don't have time to actually sit down and watch it, well, we have it in podcast form. You can listen to it on your drive. I would encourage you to listen to this because it covers all of life. It's the public, the social, the personal, the transparent, and the divine. So, if we are called to extend the same love and grace we have received from Jesus, and we are to do it in the everyday places and things of life, how do we extend that love and grace? And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. I think there are two primary things, among other things, but two primary things to look at 
that will help us take the next step God is calling us to in a particular relationship, and that's intentionality and obedience. Intentionality and obedience. Let's first look at intentionality. Intentionality starts with awareness. Like it's, It starts with you looking up from your phone or from clicking the garage door, driving in the garage, clicking the garage door again, going inside, waking up the next morning, going to work, doing the same thing. It takes you being intentional. It takes you walking outside of your cubicle or your desk and looking around. It takes you, maybe for some of you dads, to not be so angry at the ump and turn around and look at the people in the bleachers. It takes intentionality. Being intentional to carry out Jesus' command to love others will require us to become more aware of people around us and the needs they may have. And here at Generation, we have a value. It places our intention. And all that means is that we believe God has placed us where we are to live the life Jesus lived with intentionality. Like as we become more aware of our neighbors, our compassion for them will begin to grow. As we start to look, and look at, look at the life of Jesus. He loved people where they were, as they were. He served those around him. He met needs. He, he performed miracles. He shared his time. He listened. He shared his table. That's a big one. He shared his table. We need to see people the way Jesus sees them, and it, it's not always going to be easy. I was just talking with Chad this morning. He asked me how long I've been here. I said, oh, just over a year and a half. I'm actually going to talk about that in the message. I've been here for a year and a half, and I've got to build some amazing relationships with all of you, but I've also had to, got to make some amazing relationships with my neighbors, literally the people right next door. And what it took was intentionality. It took me stepping out, walking past the window and seeing my neighbor James at the garden, even though I don't really know anything about gardening. I would walk out there to talk with James or listening to my neighbor to the left who, who's working on his truck and I can hear the air gun going off and the music playing, walk over and bring a beer with me and, and share that with him and just, just talk, get to know them. I don't know anything about trucks or cars. Clearly, I drive a minivan, okay? Now, come on, give me a break. But it took intentionality. It took me stepping out of my comfort zone to engage with other people. And I've had some amazing conversations with them, some of them a little bit more open about their faith, some of them pretty closed off about their faith. But continuing to take the relationship, continuing to take the next step. We have to be intentional. We have to be aware. But it doesn't just take intentionality. It takes obedience. Obedience. I want to look back with you at the Great Commission, because I think a lot of us stop at the first part of the Great Commission, and Jesus uses an important word there in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm sure you've been to a church or have seen something that says, like, go and make. They're missing an important word. <laughs> He continues, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Obey everything I have commanded you. I'm going to go back to this book. I'm going to reread the quote. And in it, he says, if we live out the great commandment, an environment is created where the great commission can be effectively obeyed. And then he unpacks that at length, what that means. I was in the military for nine years. Nine years. And it, if I learned anything from it, you take out all of the legalism, 
take out all the authoritarian leadership. If I learned anything, it's this. When I would go out on a mission for search and rescue or counter-narcotics, when I would go out on a mission, there were specific commands. When those, and it was like a briefing. Those commands would be given, and then we'd be sent, we'd be commissioned to go do that work. All I had to do was obey the commands, to step out and to do what was commanded. And it's the same thing here. Jesus is commanding us, he's commissioning us, and all he wants us to do is obey. And you might say, that sounds really hard. That sounds like a burden. I don't want to do that. (laughs) And you'd be right. Sometimes it's going to be hard. We talked about that. Sometimes it's going to be really hard. Sometimes your neighbor is going to wake up at one in the morning and think that it's a great idea to do a burnout and wake up your kids and your dog in the middle of the school week. And you're not going to, and your wife, and she just said, and your wife. And you're not going to want to go out there and be nice the next day you see them. It's going to be hard. People are going to do things. People are people. We are all broken. I'm sure you have done something that has irritated or frustrated someone. We call those people EGRs, extra grace required. Okay? <laughs> You're welcome. You can have that. Put it in your pocket. Take that home with you. You'll be like talking to your husband later. You're an EGR right now, okay? <laughs> Get out of here. But no, it might feel like a burden. And here's the thing. John... In 1 John, first, you need to know, John, his nickname was John the Evangelist, okay? So he was known for sharing his faith, like that was his nickname. So in 1 John 5, 3, he writes this, this is love for God, to keep his commands. Okay, so we stop right there. This is love for God, to keep his commands. What's he say us in the great commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with everything. Everything inside of you. That is love for God. To keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. Like when does something become a burden? I know you guys are all probably thinking, Jake, you look like you lift a lot of weight. You go to the gym a lot. You're welcome, okay? I don't go to the gym a lot. But what I do know is the amount of times I've been to the gym is that the weight doesn't become the burden just because you've walked into the gym. The weight becomes a burden when you lift it up or when you're pushing it or when you're pulling it. That's when the weight becomes a burden. Here's the really cool thing about this exercise. God's not asking you to take all the weight. He said, I will build my church. And all he wants you to do is to step out in obedience. All he wants you to do is to show up at the gym. Be there. The burden is on him, not on you. We must be obedient. It is through intentionality and obedience that we can carry out the bless rhythms. And this is a tool uh, we use here at Generation to help us take the next step in our relationships. We wear them on our wrists, bands. We also have magnets out there. Um, we have Frisbees. No, we don't have Frisbees. No Frisbees. But these are our blessed rhythms. It's through these five rhythms that we believe genuine relationships will be built and will point people to Jesus. And that's the point. Blessed rhythms. Be in prayer. Listen. Eat. Serve. 
share. First, be in prayer. Be in prayer that that God would show you who is close to you but far from God. God orchestrates unexpected divine appointments for us to share about Christ and what he's done. And we can't stay connected to the mission of God without staying connected to the God of the mission. He wants to be in a relationship with us. Like think about your spouse or your significant other or someone really close to you in your life. If you stopped talking to them right now, would the relationship be the same? It wouldn't. It would probably die off, maybe slowly, maybe quickly. Communication is key. Prayer is crucial. It's how we communicate with the Father. It's how we stay connected to him. We have to be in our word. We have to be praying. He prepares people for us to share the love and grace of Jesus with. This is God's mission, and he's commissioned us. And we should be leaning in on him. So will you commit to pray for God to show you divine appointments and people who are far from him but close to you? Will you free up time in your busy schedule to have margin to be intentional and obedient to who the Lord is prompting you to step towards. The next one is, listen. Rather than talk, lead with asking questions and finding out about their life. Like, becoming a good listener, I have to tell myself this a lot. Becoming a good listener means asking good questions. And not surface level questions. You can start there. But asking really good questions to continue the conversation, that you can continue to learn. And here's the truth that I, I know, because I spend a lot of time talking to people, is people generally like talking about themselves. Tell me you haven't sat in a situation where you're like, I probably have I've talked too much. <laughs> I probably should stop. People generally like talking about themselves. So when we care more about hearing their story than telling our own, it communicates genuine care and enables us This is a big one. It enables us to share the good news of God's story in a very personal way because we will know who they are because we care about them. Not because it's manipulative, not because we're we're trying to be dishonest, because we actually genuinely care. And the next one is my favorite one, eat. It's my wife's favorite too. We both were talking about this the other day. It's our favorite. We love having people over to our house but more specifically, we just like food. <laughs> Nothing moves, somebody just said, you don't like the people. <laughs> Nothing moves the relationship forward better than eating with someone. Seriously. Like in our fast-paced world, taking time to slow down over a meal is one of the most effective ways for people to open up. Listen, no matter what type of food you like, food is something we all have in common. And Jesus knows that. That's why he makes it a central part of his ministry, sharing his table was a central part of his ministry. See, in Mark 2, 15 through 17, Jesus gives an amazing example of having a meal with those in need of grace that only he can provide. In that passage, he's eating with sinners and tax collectors. He invited them to his table. And what if we as a church, what if we had one family, each little family unit that's represented here today, what if we had just one family over for dinner or for lunch? It's 21 meals a week. If you're anything like me, you don't eat breakfast, that's 14 meals a week, okay? If you're a busy fam, you're like, Jake, I don't got time for that. I don't have time for that. I'm not doing that. 
You have 84 meals a month. That's a lot. That's a lot. What does it look like for us to share our table? You will learn so much. You're going to learn more and more about them. And that leads, interestingly enough, to serving. Because you're going to learn, learn ways to serve them. That's the fourth that's the fourth blessed rhythm. Do something sacrificial for them. Go, go out of your way to serve them. Buy them a gift. Make them a meal. Do something out of the ordinary, yet something that would be perceived as a blessing. And in this way, in this way, you are sharing the love of Jesus with them as Jesus came and gave his only life for us. You're sharing the love of Jesus. My neighbor up the street, this older woman, uh, I noticed throughout the summer, I was driving past her house. For like two weeks, I noticed the grass kept getting taller and taller and taller and taller. And taller. It was like a foot and a half, two foot long. It's huge. It's like starting to seed on the top. And I was thinking in my head, I'd only seen her outside like once. This is going to sound really bad, but I was like, maybe she's dead. Like I should stop and knock. So I did. I stopped and knocked. She answered. And uh, I asked her, I said, can I, can I cut your grass for you? Um, it'd be no, no trouble at all. I would, love, I would love to cut your grass for you. And she said, oh, I had to take my mower to Hudson's and they had to come pick it up and they just haven't called me back. I don't know when it's going to be ready. I said, well, I can keep cutting it every two weeks. I'll just come and cut it. It took a long time. That grass was tall. <laughs> it took a long time. But what I learned in just opening up and noticing, being aware, what I learned was that she needs her trees trimmed. She needs the back of her house power washed. She'd like some painting done. She has all these big ideas that she wants to do with the house to make it look better. She's all by herself and can't get it done. And what that did, when I cut the grass and I learned those things, it gave me so much joy. And that's the beauty in stepping out is that we, we are filled with this joy that becomes overflowing. It's not why we do it. Man, it's an awesome side effect. It is in the sacrificial nature of our giving that it is a blessing. Not necessarily the gift or the action, but let it be genuine and authentic, not manipulative. Like serve with a nothing beneath you mentality. And having taken the time to be connected to the Father, to be connected to the vine, to be in prayer, and you've listened and you've shared your table and you're serving them, having taken all those steps all you're doing now is prayerfully waiting for the opportunity to share your faith. And when we say share your faith, I want to be very clear. In our church culture, that can mean something very different for everybody. What I'm not saying is you have a bunch of scriptures memorized and a whole slew of sentences that you're going to run through and you're going to tell them about Jesus. That's great. If, you, if that's what you'd like to do, do it. What I'm suggesting is that each and every single one of us in this room, myself included, we have a unique story of how God broke into our hearts that is connected to the gospel. And what I'm suggesting is that when you share your story, you're sharing how God broke into your life and you're sharing the truth of the gospel. Like We don't love people to get them to believe what we believe. We love them because Jesus first loved us. And our intent is not simply to do enough good works and serve people in hopes that they will somehow find their way to Jesus. That's not why we're doing this. 
our intent as disciples is to be living out these blessed rhythms, to be intentional and obedient so that one day when the relationship has been built and cared for and is growing, we can share our faith with them and more importantly, the truth of the gospel. This is going to sound really corny, (laughs) but each one of us has our own episode of how it's made. We do. Each one of us has our own episode, a story to share that tells how Jesus broke into our lives and changed them forever. Grace, grace built people extend loving grace to other people. Grace built people extend loving grace to other people. He has commanded us to love him and to love others. And with those commands, he has commissioned us to go and make disciples. We are built for this. We are built to be intentional and extend loving grace to those around us. In both action, as we love others like Jesus did, and in word, telling others about grace, that we have been, like we've received that grace. We're called to say it. I'll have you guys stand with me as we continue to worship through song as we're dismissed I have you bow your heads and close your eyes and I want to just process with you here in the moment who who is far from you sorry who's far from God and close to you maybe it's somebody at work maybe it's a neighbor maybe it's a family member maybe it's a friend but who is close to you and where do you fall in the blessed rhythms? Like maybe you've already shared your table with them. What's the next step? Or maybe you're standing here and you're thinking, I don't have anybody in those blessed rhythms. I'm the guy that goes in my garage, closes the door, and I wake up the next morning and do the same thing. That's fine. Be in prayer that God would show you those people. Who is that person? Who are those people? So, Father, we pray and thank you for the ways that you love us and care about us, God. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your commands. God, we pray that you give us boldness as we step out in faith. Give us awareness. Give us intentionality, eyes to see, ears to hear, Lord. And help us be obedient to the relationships that you're prompting, you're prompting for us to step towards. God, we pray all this in your name. Amen.